Got a little prayer support back here tonight. I can use all that support I can get. I don't know of a preacher anywhere that doesn't appreciate someone. I believe it was Dwight L. Moody that the two ladies, whenever he would preach, would always go to the basement of the church. During the whole time that he was preaching, they'd be praying for him. And you know the results. You know the results. I'm thankful for a praying wife, one who supports me, holds me up. Appreciate the way the Lord loaned me this precious handmaiden so that Well, praise the living Lord. He reigns. Do you hear me? He reigns. He is the Lord of glory. And He's coming again. I don't know about you, but I think I hear the dishes rattling. It's got to be a lot closer than it ever was. Praise the living Lord. So thankful for the Lord. He's here tonight. I was thinking, when the Spirit was moving so heavily there a few minutes ago, wouldn't it be something if the Shekinah just suddenly settled down here? Build a fire by night and a cloud by day. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the Shekinah... As a youngster, just share a little bit with you. I'll get to the message. I promise you I will. But when I was a youngster, raised up in some of the old country churches. Now, you may not know what an old country church is, Brother Glenn may, but wasn't unusual for sinners to get so convicted that they would jump out of their seat and run I don't mean walk, I mean run to the altar. Used to put the fear of God in me, I'll tell you that. I've seen them jump up out of their pew and start to the altar and literally fall in the aisleway crying out, Oh God, deliver me from this fire that's burning. Hell is a real place. Heaven's a real place. Christ rules and reigns supreme. Amen. Praise His holy name. Now, God didn't fill you people this week with the Holy Spirit just because you wanted it. He didn't. I hate to disappoint you if you think that He just filled you with the Holy Spirit because you was a good boy or a good girl. You're in for a deception right off the bat. He filled you for service. No other reason. When I looked about a while ago to those that were praying today, for lost ones, there was very few that were still sitting. You know what that means? 
That means the responsibility for their souls is resting upon you. Resting entirely upon you because God has empowered you with His Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to do service for Jesus. Because the Word says that when He comes, He will glorify Jesus. Not you, but Jesus. And I can assure you that if you go forth from here in obedience and you begin witnessing to those lost souls, you're going to be mocked. You're going to be laughed at. You'll probably get spit upon. You'll be called all kinds of names. Wife and I can remember very clearly when they used to call people who got a little happy and shouted, you little bitch, you know, called them holy rollers. Kids were so offended when they was called a holy roller because they went to a hole in this church. But now let me say something further here. If God put His Spirit in you, He put it in there to make you holy. That means to live above sin. Not in sin, but above sin. And sin is of the moral nature of man. It is not in his physical body. He put his moral nature in you and he expects you as a born again, spirit filled Christian to go out and share Him. Him. But you're going to be persecuted. And in the day that we are now living, you know we are in a spiritual war, do you not? I mean, you just about have to be blind to not know this. We are in a battle For the very soul of the church. And the church is human beings. And the devil is after you. And he will not stop. We need to stand. And we need to stand firm and strong in the Lord. For our scripture, I didn't give it to the young man, so he can't put it up there. So I'm going to just read it to you. Is that all right? And if you want to have your Bibles and you want to open it and follow along with me, that'd be wonderful. You know, before all this technology, we used to have to open the Bible while the preacher was reading. You remember that? We used to have to open the hymn book when we sang. You remember that? Boy, what a change this world has undergone. Woo! But I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ hasn't changed one iota. He still saves to the uttermost, brother. I know so because this old man was a drunkard living on the streets of Nobleville, Indiana when he found him. 
Yes, he did. He did such a wonderful work. Oh, before I knew it, I was in a place where the leadership that I'd never ever dreamed I would be. And one day in an old tent meeting, Noblesville, Indiana, Youth for Christ, I had been so uncomfortable in my heart all day that day. Oh, it was awful, Brother Glenn. It was awful. After the pastor had finished preaching, the, the evangelist, we had called a youth evangelist. I was the president of this youth organization. After he had finished preaching, or when he was getting ready to finish preaching, he opened the altar. I couldn't help it. I had to go find some peace. While I was kneeling there on that dirt floor, it was dirt. Any of you ever remember the sawdust floors, the dirt floors? I mean, the old... Wow, boy, you're talking about your kind of glory settling. Woo! Yeah. But while I was praying, I seem to have gone into a trance. I cannot tell you exactly what it was. I'm like Paul. I cannot describe it to you, but I can tell you what happened and what I saw. As I was praying, there was someone that came walking towards me. And that someone was so brilliant, just glowed, pure white glow. As he got closer and closer to me, fear gripped my heart. Fear. I mean fear that I have never known before. He stopped. Then he impressed his eternal word upon my heart and mind. And what he said was, will you preach the word for me? Me, a drunkard off of the streets of Noblesville, Indiana. Can you imagine that? Last year, I received a call to come for a count meeting. You'll never believe this. I drove 1,700 miles one way to preach a 10-day camp meeting four times a day. I've never experienced anything like it, but I'd do it again. I'd do it again. I told the Lord a long time ago, it doesn't matter where I go or how I have to live. As long as I can win souls for you, that's all that matters. So now that we've all been fed upon the strong meat of the gospel, and we're all fired up and ready to go out and conquer that world out there, I want to tell you, there's an enemy waiting on you. There's an enemy waiting on you. In Ephesians, Chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. And again tonight, I am reading from the Revised Version. You may follow along in whatever version that you customarily use. I I particularly like the New King James, but to each his own. 
But I kind of favor the revised version, and you can't hardly find a copy of it anywhere. You can find a, an American revised or a new revised, but you cannot find the old revised version. But it reads this way from that manuscript. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Hear it now. Against the devil's schemes. Do you hear it? Let's read it again. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Stand firm. Friends, even if they hit you in the side of the head, stand firm. In the early days of the holiness movement, I'm going to break my reading right there, I'll come back. In the early days of the holiness movement in the United States of America, there was one of John Wesley's preachers. Now, there is a set of books called Wesley's Veterans, seven-volume set of it, and it is wonderful reading. But in northeast Tennessee, there was one of them that started a little holiness church in the country out there. At that time, it was known as a Wes, uh, or as Methodist Episcopal, American Methodist Episcopal. But anyway, he had started this little holiness church, and he was preaching that you can live above sin. Well, one Sunday morning when the people came to the church, they found that preacher hanged by his neck in the doorway. You think you're better than he is? You think you better than Jesus was? You see what they'd done to him when he preached and spoke the truth, do you not? When he lived it before them. When he insisted upon the fact that they had to be born again. Let's come back to our reading. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Stand with your feet fitted. With the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Logos. The Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. The eternal, supernal, glorious, holy Savior of all mankind that will call upon His holy name. Who will trust uh, 
with their whole hearts in His ability to keep you. Even when they've knocked the wind out of you. Even when they've smacked you in the side of the head. You get up and turn the other cheek. And Jesus said that. Now he wasn't joking. And you can twist that to say whatever you want it to say. But the fact is you will answer to the living Lord one day for twisting that word. He said what he meant brother. And he meant what he said. Now, it is not popular to be a Christian, a real Christian. One of the, one of the most world-changing battles that ever took place on this earth occurred in the Garden of Eden. It changed the course of humanity forever. And there were only three combatants. There in that garden, a malignant evil force interacted with the first human beings. And through his wives, his devices, His schemes that Paul spoke about in these verses. He successfully destroyed the very image and likeness of God in which this couple had been made. He so marred it as that it is almost unrecognizable. And yet God did not give up. Brother Gil, aren't you glad he never gives up on you? Boy, I'm telling you what, we give up on people sometimes. But the Lord never gives up. Never gives up. But that malignant force plunged all of humanity into confusion and unbelief and darkness. And from that time on, The heart of man was deceitful and desperately wicked. And who can know? But again, God wasn't ready to give up. God has told us in His Word that we can. Hear me now. We can, through grace, resist the schemes, the methods, the devices of Satan and live successfully until he takes us out of this world. We are told that when Peter, because of his faith, was killed, that as they led him to the place of death, he begged them to put him on an X-type cross upside down. But why, Peter? Because I'm not worthy to die as my Lord died. And I shall soon stand before Him. Yes, your witness might cost you your life in this day in which we live. So in question is this. 
And you're going to be contested on it, I guarantee. Are you willing to lay down your life for the best friend you ever had? Are you willing? There are three schemes, devices, methods, call them whatever you want to. But the devil is a master. In the garden, he pulled a shenanigan that the world has never seen before. And he so convinced that couple that God didn't really mean what God said. And Adam willfully disobeyed. When you and I know and we don't do. Look out. The devil has just tripped you up. And you better get your guard. Because if you don't, you're on the skid road down. So there are three schemes or devices of the devil that we can resist. But we first must know. We first must know who this adversary is. And then we can proceed to consider how that we can overcome him. And we can illustrate it from God's own word. First of all, the devil is not a God. He convinced some people that he is. Yes, he has. Why don't you watch the news sometimes and what's going on in the streets of their cities? Tell me that they're not serving some kind of a vicious, uh, awful God. You see, he has convinced some people that he is a God. And that he knows best for them. That's the reason you've got alcoholics. That's the reason you have prostitutes running the streets. That's the reason there's sins in the world in the first place. He's convinced somebody that he was God. Now, I'm going to give you a personal illustration of this point. Quite a number of years ago, I was attending a Nazarene church in the central part of Tennessee. Fairly regular. We didn't live too far from the church, and so we attended fairly regular. And on this one particular night, the pastor of the church spoke on some of the moral evils and some of the physical evils that people did. And he touched upon one particular subject that I'm sure that he was not cognizant of and on. And it had to do with the sexual sins that was going on in that day. Now, I know you don't hear very much preaching from the pulpit of people about sexual sins, but let me tell you, it is prevalent. And it is perverted. And it is destructive. After the service, 
the pastor had gone back to his study. And I went back and knocked on his door and I said, Brother, could I talk to you for just a few minutes? Sure, come on in. I went in, sat down in front of his desk. He said, how can I help you? And I brought up what he had been talking about. And I said, were you aware that there is a very destructive sexual activity that goes on right here in this town? And it is called wife swapping. He looked at me rather puzzled. Now, before the Lord ever saved me, as a drunkard, I had been introduced to this lifestyle. Very perversive. Very wrong. And I knew it, even as a sinner, I knew it. So I opened up and I shared with him and told him all that I information that I had on this and he sat there like somebody had just slapped him in the side of the head with a sausage. He couldn't hardly believe it. He said, are you telling me the truth? I said, as God lives, I'm telling you the truth. He thanked me. We had a word of prayer. I got up and left. Went home. Went straight home. Got ready for bed. Went in went to bed. Laid down on my Right side, yeah, I'm facing the other wall, but I was on my right side, and I dozed off to sleep. But Glenn, all at once, I was awakened in terror. I want to tell you, I was trembling. I was so scared. I knew not what, I wasn't dreaming. But I turned over on my back and looked, and at the foot of my bed stood one of the darkest, most malignant figures I have ever observed in my life. You say, brother, you're making that up. No, I am not. I saw it. And I was terrified. I was trembling. And all at once, I threw my hands in the air and said, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And like that, he was gone. Like that, he was gone. So remember this, my friends. You go out into that world. He is a deceiver. He will deceive anyone. Now remember this. Keep this in mind. Adam and Eve were holy as any person has ever been when that malignant force came to them. So you, being filled with the Holy Spirit, are not above His enticements. As a matter of fact, one of the old time gospel preachers said that when you are on the mountaintop, filled with God the Holy Ghost, uh, that when you come down, the devil's standing there to beat the snot out of you. And it's true. It is true. He is a liar. Furthermore, he's the father of all liars. So he is very skilled at all of his devices. And he has plenty of them. Now, we want to consider how are we 
to overcome this one. So that we can remain pure and holy unto the Lord. For nothing unclean shall enter that holy city. Nothing that worketh abomination. Nothing. So you are going to have to have all of the forces that God can muster by His grace through God the Holy Spirit in order to keep you to stand firm for the Gospel, for Christ, for the salvation of those souls that you said you've been praying for. First thing that we want to consider to overcome it, it is by the written Word of God. In Luke chapter 4, we read about Jesus being baptized. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus didn't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He was already holy. But God was preparing him for that work that was going to lay before him as the man Jesus. Not as the God Jesus, but the man And so when he came up out of the water, the Bible tells us that he was led of the Holy Ghost into the wilderness. I have stood at Jordan, at where Jericho fell. And when you look from Jericho across the valley, there's a mountain over there. Oh, it is barren. Dark and, I mean, just standing there looking at it, it was chilly. But it was on that mountain that the Holy Spirit led Jesus that day. And the Word of God says that He fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward He was hungry. Will you notice that the devil struck him at the point of his need? He will come to you at the point of your need this next week, this next month, this next year. But he will attack you at that physical point of your need. And as he did so, he said to the Lord Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command this rock to become bread. What did the Lord say? It is written. It is written. It is written. Listen to me, folks. It is written. Take God at His word. It is written. Hide this word in your heart that you may not sin against Him. Bury it deep within. Read it frequently. John Wesley said that you should never pick up the Word of God and read it except that you have prayed over it before and prayed over it afterwards. I've had people say to me, but Brother, I don't understand it. 
Well, that's because you haven't got God, the Holy Spirit, who gave it inside you. You got a problem. For the Word says that He will take of the things of God, yea, the deep things of God, and He will reveal them unto you. He will instruct you. He will teach you. He will keep you. He will guide you. But you got to trust Him. He's not going to do it automatically. He's not going to do it automatically. You're going to have to pray, cast your bread upon the waters. For after many days it shall return. Amen. He's Lord. Hide that word. Each time that the devil came to Jesus, he responded with, It is written. It is written. And may I remind you of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, it is written, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Oh, I love those words. And God is faithful. But now, God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Hide the Word in your heart. As I said the other night, every morning before you do anything else, pick up this blessed book and start reading. And say, oh God, teach my heart to walk in your ways today. Teach my heart to obey You today. For Jesus' sake, He's the one who bled and died. He is the one who suffered so. He is the one who took our sins away. Trust Him. Believe Him. Do not go to changing the Word from what He reads. God has spoken truth. He is truth. The very fountainhead of all truth. D.L. Moody once said this, Trust in yourself and you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in your friends, they will die and leave you. Trust in money and you may have it taken from you. Trust in reputation and some slanderous tongue may blast it. But trust in God. And you are never to be confounded in time or eternity. Woo! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus, for this sure hope that we have bedded in the rock, the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go away. Go away. Hallelujah. Now, the second means by which we can and must use 
to overcome the schemes, the wiles, the devices. You, as I said, call it whatever you want. But there is a second way that you can combat it. You begin with the Word of God. You have to begin right there. Because that's where the power flows from. But then, you must engage in fervent communication, communion with the Lord in prayer. Without prayer, you're going nowhere. Do you believe that God can answer prayer? I don't know how many years that I've been praying for our children. Four on my side, four on Anna's side. And there seems to be no movement whatsoever. But I'm still trusting. And I covenanted with the Lord. Until the day that you throw dirt in my face, I'm going to keep praying for those children because it may be that yet, after I'm gone, that that prayer will be answered. How much time do you spend in prayer, friends? Be honest. Be honest with yourself. You're standing in the presence of holiness right now. How much time do you actually spend in prayer? Fifteen minutes? Twenty minutes? Thirty minutes? Hour? Be honest. With yourself. And with God. And if you sense that you are weak in the area of confessing Jesus to others, you better spend a little more time in communion with Him. You see, in Christ, there is a unity. I don't, did not say union. I said a unity. Christ in me, the hope of glory. But though Jesus Himself said, that I will be in you and you in me. And the Father will be in you. When the Holy Ghost has come, well, we've got three that's abiding in us. And who can overcome us? Huh? Are you with me? Have I lost you somewhere along the way? My God, help us, my friends. Matthew twenty six forty one says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall. Into temptation. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is so weak. The flesh is so weak. Christ is also the author of these words found in Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Praise Him, folks. As a servant of the Lord, there is no weapon formed against you. No tongue can bring accusations against you. For God is supreme. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is from me. 
And again, in this matter of fervent, searching, waiting prayer, it is written, I love using those words, it is written, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Woo! Hallelujah. He is Lord. Glory to God. He is Lord. Dear soul, if you would withstand the ferocious attacks against your faith that is coming, you must spend time in God's Word. And you must spend time, quality, alone time, in communion with Him. You alone are no match for the schemes of Satan. The Lord told us that we should go to our closets and there make known our petitions to the Lord. Well, I dare say that there's very few of us, if any, actually goes into a closet. But what the Hebrew expression actually means is, and I'm sure you're aware that they wear this shawl. It's called a prayer shawl around there. Well, when they go to prayer, they pull the shawl up and pull it up over their heads like this. And it hangs down. And it's got these little uh, uh, lavender tassels and what have you, red tassels on the bottom of it. Well, when they go to pray, they pull this thing together in the front of them, this way. And all that's left is just their eyes and their nose. That's the secret place. What it simply means is, close out the world! Get along with Jesus! Throw yourself at His mercy! And depend upon Him to do what He has said He will do. Every morning, before I ever close in my prayer time, Father, You have made promises unto us that are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. And there's not a jot or a tittle of those promises that will ever fail. They will come to pass. So I pray Your will be done. Oh, let me tell you something, people. There is no joy like the joy of the Lord welling up within and bubbling over and causing God's saints to jump to their feet and shout, Hallelujah, glory to God. I can remember when they would do it and the old musician would grab up his trumpet and begin to play when the saints go marching in and around the church they would go when the saints go marching in. Glory. You expect to be there? Then you better read God's Word. You better spend time alone with Jesus. You better trust in the power of God's Spirit that He has put within you. Otherwise, the schemes of the evil one will rob you of your joy. He will rob you of your soul and leave you thinking that you've got the goods when all you've got is an empty bag. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power. Don't let it be said of a one of you. A year from day, don't let it be said of any single one of you. 
that the evil one has so defeated you. Now the third and the final standard that we can raise up against the schemes and the devices of that evil force is the word of your testimony. Bet you never thought of that one, did you? The word of your testimony. I'm not talking about the word that one of us preaches from up here. I'm talking about you on the streets of Gallatin, passing out tracts to people that you don't even know, and saying to that soul, can I pray with you? Let me tell you something. In these last two or three years, I have been so challenged of the Lord that I keep tracks in my car, I keep tracks on my desk, and any time I go out, I've got a track. And if there's anyone who will stop long enough for me to talk to them, Brother Glenn, I'll hand them one and say, God loves you. Could I pray with you? I did that one day in front of a restaurant down there in, in, in Moss, Tennessee. That's where I live. That's Moss, Tennessee. Now, if you back your eyes when you go through, you'll miss it. So, it's still there. And this young man came out. I had spoken to him earlier inside the restaurant. And we shared Jesus just a little bit. When he come out the door, I was waiting on him. I said, sir, I don't know you and you don't know me, but could I share this with you? Handed him a track and he looked at me and he said, oh, glory, brother. He went jumping up and down. Oh, glory, brother. Can we pray together? Yeah, I've never seen him in my life. But the word of your testimony is what you're going to overcome the schemes, the devices of the devil with. I can tell you how I know. Our living Lord gave this testimony in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, and verse 13, where he says, They triumphed over him. By the blood of the Lamb. By the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from the death. No matter the cost. You've got to be willing to share Jesus. Otherwise, you will grieve His Holy Spirit. And He will leave you. Wondering what happened. He will. I've heard the testimony of more than one. Some of the old timers who said that at one time in their experience that they failed to obey the Lord. They failed to witness when they should have. And they said they didn't think that it was so bad at the time. But a few days later, they noted that there was no joy anymore. That the presence of the Spirit had receded. And that they were left feeling all And then all at once, it came to them. I grieved God's Spirit. And He has left me to my own devices. And He said, I wasted no time. In going to the Lord and confessing what I had done. And he said, I've never done it again. 
said, if you don't want to be witnessed to, don't come around me. I'll tell you what, some of them old count meetings that your, this your servant has been in. Mm. One night I was in an old time count meeting in Marion, Indiana, Bethel Tabernacle. The speaker that particular night was Dr. R.G. Flexen of the old Pilgrim Holiness Church. Now, if you've never heard him preach, you have missed out on something that is a delight. But that night, after the speaker got through, after the platform worker got through, he introduced Brother Flexen and said, now, Brother Flexen will come and bring you the message. Now, Brother Flexen had a great big head of white silver hair. I mean, big head of silver hair. And he was an elderly man. And as a young man, he had some kind of a disease that almost took his life and it left him with a twitch like that in his neck. All his life he had that. Matter of fact, he was president two different times of God's Bible School in Cincinnati, Ohio. But Dr. Flexen, with his Bible, stepped up to the platform, opened his Bible, never looked up. Never looked up. He opened his Bible. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, will you turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter so-and-so, so-and-so. He paused for just a moment. Then he began to preach. And as he preached, his right hand came up to his temple. His eyes went shut. I know this because I was sitting about three seats back on this side right here. His hand came up to his glasses and his temple there. And his head began to twitch. And he began to preach like you've never seen anyone preach before. And as he progressed, he somehow managed to reach up and take a hold of the hand of the Almighty and pull it down. Over 7,000 people in that tabernacle that night and pulled it down. And people were on their feet and shouting all over the building. They were running the aisleways. They were going back and forth. You know what the wave offering is, ladies? You know the little white hanky? You ever done it? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Little white hanky doing a wave offering. This little lady was going back and forth, back and forth, tears just a pouring. And, and Dr. Flexen stopped preaching long enough and he opened his eyes and he looked out. Things had quieted down. He saw that little lady. He pointed his finger at her. said, young lady, help yourself. Ought to be a lot more people doing that. And so help me. He went back and he did it again. I am told, I have not the figures, but I am told that that night there was over 400 people at that altar praying for salvation. What am I saying? By God's Word, by prayer, by the witnessing, the testimony of your life, you can resist and overcome every temptation, every trial of the evil one. For the Bible says this, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, you listening? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in His glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. 
I fear there's going to be an awful lot of professing Christians who will have to hang their head in shame on that day. That's sad to say, I know. But I fear that there's far too many. Because they're resting on experiences that they had last year or the year before. Or they're resting upon an experience that Mama had or Daddy had or Grandma had or somebody else. They're resting upon something other than a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Which is what life eternal is all about. Whosoever therefore shall confess me, Jesus Christ, Before men, Him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. How do you testify? When you get the chance to talk to Him, just tell Him how that you overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the Word of God. Let me tell you, young man, let me tell you, young lady, what Jesus done for me. I was this old sinner. And Jesus came to me and convicted me. And I accepted Him. And His blood cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And made me a child of the living God. And joined ours with Him. And today, He's my best friend. He is my best friend. Oh, I can't imagine life without Jesus. I just can't imagine life without Jesus. Are you prepared to resist what's waiting on you out there this next week, this next month, this next year? I've given you the tools. Now you will have to use them. It will be up to you to respond to the urgings of God's Spirit. And if you're not sure what they are, stay on your knees until you are sure that it is Him speaking. Because I guarantee you, on the authority of this blessed book, that if it is God speaking, you will know it. Now the devil, as an angel of light, comes. He attempts to deceive also. But remember, by the word, it is written, by prayer, thus saith the Lord, by the word of your testimony. A nurse in a Glasgow hospital is responsible for this story of a Christian's life testimony in song. A man came into the hospital for an operation on his tongue. In reply to his inquiries concerning the future, the surgeon told him that he would probably be able to speak with sufficient plainness to make himself understood, but he would never be able to sing again. Whereupon, the sufferer said that if that were the case, he must have one more song before his tongue was touched. Just one more song. In the presence of the doctors and the nurses, he burst forth into song in Cowper's hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood And he concluded thus, Soon, in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save. When this poor lisping, cancerous tongue 
lies silent in the grave. He did not survive, friends. He did not survive. He went out to glory. Following in the fountain of blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. You can live 24-7 a victorious Christian life. A life like unto the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will. Trust His Word. Fervent in prayer. And be quick to testify of your faith to others. Now, if you're here tonight and you are struggling, you are struggling with something in your life. I don't know what that might be. Only you know. But if you're here and you're struggling with something in your life that you know is not pleasing or acceptable in the eyes of the Lord. If you're here and you are in that battle over your faith and you just can't seem to get the victory over it. I don't know. Maybe it's pornography. You know, there's an awful lot of secret pornographer readers sitting in the church pews. Yes, there is. Maybe it's gambling. Or alcohol. I don't know what it could be, friends. It's not my place to judge you. Only you will have to answer unto the sovereign, almighty God. But if you're here and you're struggling with something in your life, And you want to give victory over it. I'm going to invite you. As we open the altar. For you to come. And let us pray together. Until you have assurance. In your soul. That you have. Gained the victory. Through the blood of Jesus. Shall we stand as we.